Hello, and hang, welcome hang, oh, to... Oh, I didn't know you were ready to start. I asked you three times if you were ready to start because you were deeply involved in some Elvish translation. No, so like, imagine this, right? Just imagine you're in a city somewhere, like let's say LA, or I guess let's make it more, you know, understandable. Um, Washington, D.C. You ever been to Washington, D.C.? Nope. Yeah, but let's say they're just like, you know, live in Washington, D.C., and you're just wandering around one day down, I don't know, Pennsylvania Avenue, whatever street, I don't know, streets in that city. But then you just see, like, a group of these animals, right? And there's, like, a hyena and, like, a walrus and a water buffalo and, you know, maybe an orangutan. And you, you see them just wandering down the street, and there's, like, they're, they're walking, they're just walking toward the White House, Right? And you, you, you stop to investigate, and you walk up to the animals, and you're, you're just looking at them, and they stop, and they look at you, and they say, hail and well met, or something like that, and they greet you, and they're all talking animals. And you're like, am I dreaming? What is this? And the walrus looks at you, and it's just like, we've been told by Jesus that we're going to be presidents, and we're going we're gonna to lead this nation. Humans exist in the land surrounding Narnia. Yeah. Talking animals don't exist within this world. This is not balanced, and this is not an intro. Please record the intro. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, a podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, beginning with the magician's nephew, because we're wrong, and continuing on through this, which was originally written as book two and is now book four of the series Prince Caspian, which we're starting today. I am an errant knight surviving on roots and berries, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. Uh, I'm a shrimp in a tide pool or something. <laughs> Pivotal character to the story. <laughs> also known as Chris. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Welcome, Chris. I wasn't expecting that. You know, I've seen my fair share of tide pools. I've never found a shrimp in one. Yeah, I think I think that they were listed as having like anemones in them and crabs, but yeah, something like that. I don't know. I like it. I Why like don't... the idea of a shrimp stuck in a tide pool being like, "Where did all my friends go?" Why do we never see shrimp in tide pools? If anybody is listening to this who is a marine biologist, please get back to us. They probably need significantly colder water than what happens near the shore. Probably stay away from the shore. Probably. This is my idea. Okay. Now we know. Hello. Welcome to a new book. It's a new book. We're starting book four. Book four, Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, chapter one, The Island. In a couple short months, we will be halfway through this entire series. If I can convince <laughs> him to do multiple episode, multiple chapters per episode or multiple episodes per week, we might get through it faster. But then we're going to lose all of our ad money. Because we, you know, the... <laughs> we have so many advertisements. I know. Um, anyway... 
So, how are you, Kristen? It's been a little minute since we recorded. Um, it has been. We took a we took a, we recorded a couple close together, so we took a little break for a week. Yeah, got to get back into the swing of things. Uh, but here we are doing chapter one of Prince Caspian. Uh, you you already gave away some of my background information about the book. Oh, did I? Yeah, that's fine. I um, complained. <laughs> I my complaining gave away your background information. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I was just. Gonna... I asked you to do research. I'm yeah. sorry that I ruined it. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll do more research throughout the book. Uh, so I had, I just had a couple things to enter the book. It was originally published in 1953. It was intended to be the direct sequel to Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. In book two in the series. Interesting fact that I found out while researching is this book was written before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. What? This book was finished before the final draft of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came out. Oh, so like he wrote Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, sent it to a publisher, and they asked for no, drafts, no, he and was... he had already started the next one and finished it? Or No, this, as far as I've been able to tell, before final draft. Like, this was not intended to be the first book, okay. however. No, 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 I, I, I understand the writing process, I'm just like confused. But at any rate, this book was finished before the other one was released. Okay, so. that, that's, I mean, that's, that's a factoid that makes sense. Okay. Since they were published every year. Yes. Okay. You've caused quite a stir. (laughs) (laughs) That made no sense. Anyway. um, Have Snickers. (laughs) Chocolate keeps the Dementors away. I I don't like those. Um, Anyway, and timeline-wise, within the context of the universe, this book is set uh, 1,300 years after the events of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. so Narnia time. Yes, in Narnia time. But in our time, it's only one year that's passed, it says in the beginning. That would be much more interesting if it was 1,300 years <laughs> our time. It was like, I don't know, like the, the great, 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 great grand descendants of Lucy and Edmund are like space marines and... <laughs> They, they accidentally they, go into a, they warp a weapons into Narnia. locker and end up in Narnia. Uh-huh. That would be a much better story. Anyway, um, but we're getting our head of ourselves. Uh, Kristen, what do we do to start this podcast? It's been a while. We do a summary of the chapter, right? We do. Okay. We begin with our five-sentence summaries. Here is my summary of chapter one of Prince Caspian. Mm-hmm. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, and it has been told in another book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe how they had a remarkable adventure. This is magic. I can tell by the feeling. Do you think we can possibly have got back to Narnia? It was obvious that they had already come much more than halfway around the island. They found themselves in a wide open place with walls all around it. Okay. Uh, We did did choose a sentence in common. It was the last one. But I guess I decided to go a different direction with my summary. But here we go. Go for it. That it all happened a year ago. And now all four of them were sitting on a seat at at a railway station with trunks and play boxes piled up around them. Next moment, the luggage, the seat, the platform, and the station had completely vanished. Except for an occasional seagull, it was a very quiet place. They panted up the steep bank, forced their way through some brambles, and found themselves standing round an old tree that was heavy with large yellowish golden apples, as firm and juicy as you could wish to see. 
they found themselves in a wide open place with walls all around it. There you go. So I thought I had to include the line about the seagulls because they make an appearance <laughs> again. Yep. Mm-hmm. The sea air, the seagulls. Yeah. We've been told apparently the British have an affinity for the sea. I mean. Uh, and this is a thing. Lewis clearly does. Yeah. Uh, he didn't ask if we remembered the seagulls this time. But... No. Do, do, we, do you remember? Yeah. Um, oh, but we definitely have lots of sea imagery and we have very much this buildup where the kids are on their way to school. Mm-hmm. And this and this feels like the first part of their traveling back to school always felt like still part of the vacation of summer. Uh-huh. And then before the train can get there, they're whooshed off to the sea. The sea, the wonderful <laughs> sea. Uh-huh. With the sea air. And they stood sniff, sniffling in the sea air. Uh, what's a play box? They were... I, I don't know. They were barefooted and wading in cool, clear water. I was hoping you would know this. Uh, no. Um, so they are, we, we open scene on this book in a train station and they've got all of their stuff piled up. And, uh, I don't know what a play box is, Chris. What's a play box? According to Miriam Webster, hardly knew her, um, <laughs> A play box is a box for child's toys and personal belongings, especially at a boarding school. Okay. So, makes there makes you go. sense. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, why not just call it a trunk or a suitcase or more luggage with your stuff in it? Because he's British. I don't know. Okay. I just, <laughs> they have trunks and play boxes. They're separate items. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, so we've got the setting for this is about a year after the events of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Correct. Um, and... They're going back to school. They're going they, back to... And, well, Lucy's going for the first time yeah. to boarding school. Yeah. They need to get educated, which, like, this is... This Narnia's is... going to rescue them from education, though. <laughs> Don't worry. So, so, yeah, they need to finish their education. Lewis's war on education. It continues. Even though they've had decades of experience as heads of state at this point. And just like, imagine for for those of our listeners who have like been in these types of college classes, everybody's had that experience and like they're taking a college class and like there's that one person in there who's like 45 and they're going back to school to get another degree to change their career path. And like every other sentence the professor says, they raise their hand and be like, oh, in my experience doing this. <laughs> And this is exactly what the situation is going to be for all these children. Well, when I was a leader of a small country, you know, I <laughs> I feel like my military strategy was much more sound than, uh, yeah, just, just imagining this happening over and over again and all their classmates hating them. So maybe, you know, Aslan is doing them a great service and pulling them out of this. Uh... Anyway, so... I've had the opposite of experience where that, that 45-year-old in my I'm 18, 17 college class uh-huh. was very much out of the loop and contributing humor to class by their lack of understanding of what they were saying. Uh-huh. So, But I, I, I do like the idea of someone being like, in my experience. Yeah. Did, did you ever have one of those as a mother people? I don't think I did. I don't, I, like, I can picture those people, but I I don't think I've ever had an as I, uh, 
I haven't had that in an educational institution. I have had that in a religious institution, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I have never had that in an educational institution. Okay. That's... Yeah. As a king. That'd <laughs> uh, be fun. Um, As an archer. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, As a carrier of the cordial of healing, <laughs> I really feel like it's... the hospital system should be restructured. There should be more centaurs. Um, <laughs> all right. So we should actually get into this chapter oh, yeah. and get into the, the depth and the meat of what happens here. You know? Well, we had one train that was about to take the girls to a girl's school and one train that was going to come later and take the boys to a boy's school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have... Suddenly they're all getting pinched and poked and stung and they have no idea what's going on and they're yelling at each other and Edmund yells out, this is magic. Grab hands. This is magic. I can tell by the feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's interesting that it's Edmund who immediately says that it's magic because of all of them, he was the one who went to Narnia second Mm -hmm. and then lied about it. And but, so I think it's interesting that he's the first one, like now that he's reformed, yeah. he's the first one that's like, this is magic, y'all. Yeah. I mean, he's also the one that got ensorcelled. So yeah. he was, you know, the one under the influence of magic. So I guess he'd have some familiarity with it. Mm, I mean, I just think that it's interesting reversal where we've had Lucy be the first one in trying mm. to tell everyone there's a magical wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And Edmund's like, I'm going to follow you into this magical wardrobe. Oh, look. It's not real. I'm going to tell everybody it doesn't exist. Yeah. But he's immediately also now the first one to be like, this is magic. It's like those atheists who become Christians. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's much more mature now, so. He's a whole year and then also 17 years or whatever, however long they were in Narnia older. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Um, but apparently getting pulled into Narnia feels like you're getting pinched and poked and prodded. Well, I think what happens because they end up in a thicket. Uh-huh. Had they been pulled into Narnia on the beach, they just would have like felt their feet getting wet. Interesting. I think it has more to do with where they're landing as opposed to, because that's what happened with Lucy as she started pushing through the coats and the wardrobe and suddenly she was getting poked and cold and having wet stuff under her feet. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that because it says that there was stinging nettles in this thicket and they were getting stuck with the branches and stuff. So I think it has more to do with parts of them transitioning into Narnia first. Interesting. Now, they didn't make a choice to go to Narnia. And I find that this is kind of in direct conflict with what's later presented in The Magician's Nephew, or earlier if you've read them in that order, Uh with the way that Aslan claims to have called out to Frank's wife Uh and request her presence here, and she had to respond to come to Narnia. Uh Because I feel like this is supposed to be some call of Aslan magically bringing them to Narnia, but there's no wardrobe. There's no choice. Uh They're just suddenly in Narnia. Edmund goes, it's magic, grab hands. And now, like, was that their decision to be like, we're going to let this magic take us? They don't know where they're going. They question whether or not they're even, could we have gotten back to Narnia is their (sighs) question. Like, or could we have gotten to some other magical land because we just disappeared out of the train station? Like, Mm -hmm. I think they've been raptured. 
you think they've been raptured this is uh you know adding to the layers of theology in these books like not only calvinist heaven but now they've been raptured there yes you you don't get a choice you should always keep a sandwich in your pocket in case you get raptured to calvinist heaven there you go that's a that's a really long tagline for the end of the the episodes in this book but i think it's (laughs) keep a sandwich in your pocket Uh uh-huh um yeah so they get pulled over here and they don't know where they are at first um and they get out onto a sandy beach and they still don't know for sure if they're in narnia or not i mean the the yeah the i guess it is an interesting comparison because i'm just trying to think about this in the context of it being the second book in the series as far as it's supposed to be read um which i didn't know going into this until Kristen told me we were doing them in the wrong order um but yeah the the comparison between this trip in narnia and the previous one where in the previous one they go in and there's immediately like this sense of wonder, like it's you know this wintry wonderland, and there's a weird lamppost. Why is there a lamppost here? And a fawn comes out of nowhere. Or in Edmund's case, like there's a you know giant woman on a sleigh being pulled, you know, driven a by dwarf. a dwarf. Yeah. And like this sense of fantasy. And here they're just like, well, it's we're at woods. the beach now. Yeah. There's no creatures. There's no animals. There's no nothing. There's just them. They find some crabs and anemones. Yep. And some sand. They get to go play in the water. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And they're just on an island. They figure out they're on an island. Spoilers. They gotta uh, look for some fresh water, but they know yeah. that fresh water will flow to the ocean. So if they just follow the beach, they'll find some fresh water. Yeah. Checks out. I mm. mean, at least Edmund's old enough to know that. I mean, it's a good thing they were on an island with a spring. True. <laughs> that, I mean, that was the other... Unless the island was, like, distinctly hill-shaped, in which case they would have at least some amount of rainfall water. Yeah. Uh, Which, at this point, I guess we should mention that we don't know that... I mean, we don't know they've been pulled into into Narnia within the context of the book. We also don't know, you know, if it is Narnia, that it was Aslan. I mean, we can assume, but he hasn't made an appearance yet. We're just making assumptions based on the way these books have gone in the past. But why here? Why are they pulled here is the question. It is the question. Where are they? What is this island? Why are they stranded on an island? Yeah, because that's a much more interesting question than like the majority of this chapter. (laughs) Because the majority of this chapter is just them wandering around in the woods and looking for things to eat. Yeah, well, and (laughs) and, I mean, before we get into our baseless speculation about why they're here or where this is, Uh um, let's finish up talking a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. So they wander around, figure out they're on an island, they're thirsty, they find a spring. When they find the spring, they drink, and they argue about whether or not they should eat the sandwiches that they have. Uh-huh. And Edmund makes the good point about them probably going to go bad, so we should eat the sandwiches now. Yeah. And Lucy says, I wish that we could go on being as not hungry as we felt when we were thirsty or something along those lines. Uh-huh. Being thirsty was overwhelming above and beyond being hungry. And now that they've sated their thirst, they feel more hungry. Yeah, which they, I... He feel the hunger more vividly. Which I, I was trying to figure out the time frame of them being here. Because, like, if we take it as a literal series of events, like they're pulled into Narnia and then they do this and this and this and this and this, like, I would read it as them not being on this island for more than, like, five, six hours. Yeah. And they were already freaking out and being like, what are we going to eat? We're going to starve. I mean, and it's it- <laughs> a good point. They just realized they're on an island. Like, 
Yes, but they have to make sure that they can find food. Like, yeah. I mean, I understand if Edmund and Lucy aren't doing that as like a nine and eleven year old, but like (laughs) the fact that Peter and Susan are doing that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, like the water thing makes sense. I just feel like they're they're they start panicking about the food, especially Edmund. Like Edmund's great. It's like he he brings up the sandwiches like three times. Yeah. And, like, we, we see the return of, like, Edmund, the fat boy. <laughs> he wants his Turkish yeah, delights. Yep. <laughs> He's like, maybe we can start digging for Turkish delights. They just, like, you know, grow here, don't they? Well, and Lucy's like, we <sighs> could catch shrimp. With what net, Lucy? Yeah. <laughs> with, with... So, uh-huh. yeah. No, and they have lots of impressive ideas for foraging for food. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that the, the ones that aren't foraging. Uh-huh. Um, you know, let's get shrimps. Let's eat the crabs. Let's let's have food. I mean, they're also now they're they're all mentally in their thirties, so like, yeah, we can't really look at them as children anymore. And I and I feel like that's you know that's going to be one of the interesting parts going through this book if they continue to be main characters again, is them being presented in the storyline as children, but them not really being children. And that's actually they, a big part of this book uh-huh. i think that and i think that it's really important for you to keep that in the forefront of your mind going through this book because uh-huh. that does come up in this book quite a few times yeah and it, it almost is like a main plot point in this book yeah okay well we'll get there um yeah uh so they wander around the island they manage to find fresh water they talk about ideas for food they eat pocket sandwiches which, how big are the pockets these kids have in these days? I don't know, like, what was the style at the well, time, these, but, like... Well, they're talking about in their coat pockets, okay, and coat okay. pockets are big. Yeah, coat Even pockets. today, coat pockets yeah. are big. Okay. Because I was thinking, like, a pants pocket, and I was, like, fitting a sandwich in there. That's, like, you're wearing yeah, Jinko no, no. jeans? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, these these kids in 1953 England are getting swept off to Narnia in Jinko jeans. Yes, that's absolutely it. Jinko jeans and ICP shirts. This is the story I'm going to write for this book and the rewrites. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. They're all juggalos, uh, and I'm going a really different direction with this one. <laughs> I'm glad I could uh, tickle you so much. They're on an endless quest for more Fago. Um,. Where's the Fago Spring? It flows to the ocean. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, gosh. All right. Um. right. I'm sorry to any of our Juggalo listeners who might be out there if I've offended you. Oh, um, man. So. Nathan's going to text us and be like, I'm offended. <laughs> well, if Daniel ever gets to this episode, he will. Yeah, All for right. sure. Um, so. Uh, Edmund talks about hermits and knights errant and people like that who always manage to live somehow in the forest, finding roots and berries and things. And Susan says, what sort of roots? And Lucy's like, I always thought they meant roots of trees, (laughs) which is a very nine-year-old thing to say and not a very 30-year-old thing to say. So we have these distinct moments where the children are children Uh and have lost this kind of age element and maturity element where it's like oh they know they need to find water they know that they need to find food they know that they can survive Uh uh-huh but also like what do you mean by roots (sighs) like clearly it's like carrots and turnips and potatoes like roots that actually get eaten not just tree roots yeah do you think that's intentional or do you think it's just inconsistency 
I mean, in Lewis's writing. I think that it's intentional to, like, try to give us this relatability to these children. Uh-huh. But, like, the idea that they're older is going to come up later. Okay. So, it's gonna, it like, I don't know. Sure. Um, anyway, so after they do that, we stumble across they a follow grove. follow the stream up and yep. find an apple tree full of golden apples. We have another apple tree. We have another apple tree. That this previous a... one was silver apples. Yeah. Now is... we have golden apples. We have a theme. Uh, it's not the same apple tree, obviously. Obviously. They're a different color. Yeah. Uh, but they're still precious apples. Mm-hmm. They're still apples. And apparently really tasty. And was written first. Yeah. So they, uh... And it was inside of a wall. Walled courtyard, a garden. A walled courtyard. So the the parallels we're referencing here all go back to the magician's nephew, which in the order we're reading is book one, where we had the queen, the, the witch, mm-hmm. um, that climbed into Aslan's private garden and had walls all around it and stole a silver apple. Yeah. And that Diggory had gone into welcomed and took in, taken... And took in... And taken a, a silver apple from the tree that ended up being like the tree of life that healed his mother and protected Narnia. Yes. And so now we have these apples kind of as this reflective symbol, which was written first. And then technically the magician's nephew would be referring back to. Anyway, uh, so we have this image of the apples in this fallen wall. This uh-huh. kind of like fallen apart Um broken down area yeah and all of these walls that clearly surrounded this orchard high high walls higher than the tallest trees Mm. of the of the orchard yeah but filled with apples and this is a ruin somewhere and that's the end of the chapter yeah ruin an island uh now you may begin your baseless speculation segment well no 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 that's uh, (laughs) that's gonna come later um creston keeps referring to this you know weird new segment that we've never done before uh so the ideas uh, for previous listeners, our last segment in each episode was always uh, me going back through and rating and reviewing the chapter, which I think I've done enough of, and I feel like the every episode is basically doing that in long form anyway, and I always rate and review the book in our wrap-up episodes, so I feel like it's redundant and just repeating a lot of the same points to do this. So we're replacing this with an entirely new end of the show, a segment uh, just called Baseless Speculation where inspired by steve uh yeah since we're you know we are now in the stretch of books still in the stretch of books that i've never read before so i have no idea what's actually going to happen so i'll just start off and like throw out some wild theories all right uh, for where the book is going all of which will lead to greater disappointment on my part i'm sure (laughs) um but yeah uh before we do that we have to get to our rewrite segment, which we're still doing. Oh, you uh, want to do that yeah. first? Before we do that, though, is there anything else we want to talk about here? Uh, there's so much in baseless speculation that I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to mention that I think I've I've read a fair amount of fantasy, and I've read, you know, a few sword and sorcery stories, and I'm familiar with, like, the tales of, like, Hero's Journey things and Knight's Errant and all that kind of thing. I don't think I've ever read one specifically where, like, a knight got lost in the woods and had to forage for berries and roots. Like, <laughs> well, I... I mean, that's basically who, like, Robin Hood is and all of his merry men. They're outlaws. Like, they're they're outlaws living in the king's land. Like, they're not knights. It's like, it's a very different type of thing. Um, anyway. 
but uh, maybe I'm just not familiar with like the the canon of 1950s British school children literature. Okay, that's a. Uh, I mean, that's accurate. True. I'm no expert in this specific field. Indeed. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> you want to jump into the rewrites? Yeah. Why not? Okay. By the way, listeners, I am not doing a consistent storyline throughout this book. Thank goodness. <laughs> Though it did come together much better than I expected it to in your final presentation of it. Yeah, it was just a lot of effort for not a lot of payoff, I I thought. Yeah. Um, but And I can do fun little short stories now again, so I'm excited about that. All right. Yours is really long. Mine is really long. <laughs> but go ahead. You want me to go first or you go first? Um... Yeah, go first. I've been. I, I did a lot of going second in the uh, previous book, so why not? Mine is quite short. Now said Edmund. Can you do that again? You way over. Okay. Now said Edmund. What about those sandwiches? We shall want something to eat before long. Then they talked about their plans for the next meal. One or two tempers very nearly got lost at this stage. But what about those sandwiches, repeated Edmund. (laughs) There you go. So yours is about sandwiches. It's about Edmund being fat and hungry all the time, (laughs) which might be a consistent theme in this book. We'll see what happens. We'll see. But here's my rewrite. Lucy was going to boarding school for the first time. It's like being shipwrecked, remarked Edmund. (laughs) They had to stoop under branches and climb over branches, and and they blundered through great masses of stuff like rhododendrons and tore their clothes and got their feet wet in the stream, and still there was no noise at all except the noise of the stream and the noises they were making themselves. And what's that, said Lucy, pointing ahead. It was a bright, secret quiet place and rather sad and all four stepped out into the middle of it glad to be able to straighten their backs and move their limbs freely okay so it's taking uh lewis's bashing on the educational system and turning it into a little bit more of a wondrous place that you have to fight to get to Mm -hmm. but it'll be freeing once you get there like hogwarts (laughs) yes uh, no, I like yours. It's It has some good uh, some I, themes. I, I really like Edmund being like, it's like being shipwrecked. <laughs> Going to boarding school, it's like being shipwrecked. That would be something Edmund would say. Uh, yeah, yours was nice. I liked it. Had to fight through some brambles, though. Yep. If Rhododendrons. I had to, if I had to fight through some brambles to get to school, I'm not sure I would have ever gone. Am I right? <laughs> you walking uphill in the snow both ways. Ooh, yeah, no. Um... All right, so that was our rewrite segment. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll try to have more fun with this one in this book. Uh, let's roll into our brand new segment about baseless speculation. And this is going like to be fun. Just for future episodes, we should go straight from discussion into baseless speculation, then wrap up with the summaries. But that's just, or the rewrites. That's me. Yeah. We're feeling feel like, it out. Yeah, I just feel like this is like fun and silly and it's a weird note to end on, but. Feel free to give us feedback on that. Says via the, the person who ended half of the episodes in the last book with grease your oats. It's <laughs> a great sign-off. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, this segment's totally going to peter out the further we get into the book and the less places we have to go with it. So let's like have all the fun with it now. Okay. Um, 
So baseless speculation, where are they? And this is something that I have a lot to go off of. I know Kristen's not going to spoil anything, but when I finished a chapter like a week and a half ago and we were talking about it for the first time, she excitedly asked me something like, where do you think they are? And so I'm assuming this is a place that like we should have vague familiarity with. Like, um, like we said at the beginning, this takes place canonically 1,300 years, Narnian years, after the events of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, but we're not supposed to know that. Yes. Not yet. You've already spoiled that for yourself. Yeah, so far future, it could be, like, something that we are aware of that has fallen into disrepair and ruin. But at the same time, taking this as the second book, there is nothing in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that happens on an island, as far as I know. That's like, true. Like, there are no islands, so I... I there are islands referenced, but yeah. there's nothing in the story that happens on an island, yeah, correct? Yeah, so I don't think it can be a place that we're supposed to be familiar with, just based on the events of the previous book. Okay. Um, it's like, this is not enough time, even in Narnia, for geological change to happen. Um, I don't think, unless there's like a flood or something, but who would flood the world? Um, <laughs> wow. What kind of... <laughs> wow. <laughs> um so baseless speculation time okay obviously this is long after like the reign of tumnus the great and terrible (laughs) he he started his empire like i'm I'm sure at some point like he moved on calarmine and basically had control of the entire continent would not surprise me in the least um possibly would have like forced all the humans in arkenland into like labor camps uh, and maybe there was an uprising at some point where, like, the, the humans had to rise up and free themselves of their cloven-footed oppressors. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that was the downfall of Tumnus. They they probably went and, like, ransacked Caraparavel, and, like, that's destroyed and fallen into ruin now. Um, and, I don't know, I think that, you know, the people in power, or, like, the creatures and the animals that would have been in power at this point would have had to flee and you know as as people in power do they have their backup plans and their contingencies and maybe one of them not saying it was tumnus but like somebody in the upper echelons of the society had like their little hideaway on this island off the coast that nobody knew about um that they fled to after the uprising and uh lived out the rest of their days so in the next chapter they're going to end up exploring the structure and like you know finding the bones of a horse or something and like you know next to the next to the horse skeleton there's going to be like a crown and a scepter uh okay uh and something like that okay um but yeah why did they get brought back to why did they get brought here though specifically that's the question uh hmm oh what do you think, Kristen? I'm, I'm running away with this. What oh, do you... no, no. I, well, I can't speculate on this because I know where they are. Yes, but you I can And I know make, why it's you, you important. Can, but you can make up stuff. No, but that's not based on speculation. <laughs> like, I have the knowledge. Speculation is based on, like, yes. taking what you know and what you want and putting it into yeah. a... Put, put yourself in, the sh- in my shoes and extrapolate based on the data you have. I'm not supposed to know that it's been 1,300 years, <laughs> okay, which fine. means that I have no idea. Okay. I think that it is, like, if this was straight after Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. 
I have no idea. Okay. Uh, why did they get pulled in here, though? Um, I mean, why did they end up at the lamppost? Yeah. If they landed, if they ended up at the lamppost because it's some kind of like weighty gravity, it's something from their world that pulled them here. Then maybe there's something here that pulled them here, like a previous experience they had in Narnia, or there's something from their world in on this island that has pulled them and created like a beacon for them to land at. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is my speculation based on how, how the magic has worked in other books. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is like 1950s era England. So it's entirely possible. So stick with me here. They're exploring the ruins. They find a police box <laughs> that they like just wander around and they're like, what's this doing here? And they like you're try just, to open like, the... You're just so full of crossover today. And, and they, they try to open the door. Obviously the door is locked. They can't get in. And then there's like a loud whirring sound that disappears. And they're like, what? And then like, apparently then we find out that, you know, Aslan shows up and he talks about being at war with the Time Lords for eons at this point. <laughs> uh-huh. And as, and as cross-dimensional beings, like the, the four kids are the only ones that can turn the tide here i don't know um i mean i hope it goes somewhere interesting i know this isn't a review segment it's just it's a slow burn open to the book because like well we have the same characters come back page chapter i mean it's not a slow burn if we were (laughs) reading this like a normal person reads a book we'd be on chapter 10 by now like just because it was yeah 40 pages into the book but like this is four yeah pages in yeah it is a, an extremely short chapter for the intro and if we go into chapter two by the end of chapter two we know where they are okay i'm just gonna tell you that okay like i'm gonna try not to spoil it for you but by the end of chapter two we know where they are well i'm excited to read chapter two now okay go read it i mean it did like Come back i guess in five minutes i guess it's not the worst chapter because it does make me want to read the next chapter yeah which because is kind it sets of the up, goal it sets up some mystery but like, Ooh. I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I feel like, did we do a decent job of reestablishing characters? Because we had yeah, to, we I were mean, bringing Edmund the same characters back. Which is, Lucy wants to catch shrimp without a net. Like, she's just like, I've got a great idea I can't implement. Yeah. Um, let's go to Narnia. I don't know how to get there. Yeah. And we've got Susan being the one being like, we should save these sandwiches. We're going to want these sandwiches later. <laughs> and then like. You have Peter just being like, yeah, well, Edmund's got a point. Uh, yeah, well, Lucy's got a point. Yeah, well, let's go yeah. get some fresh water. Just keep wandering along the beach. Peter's chilled out a bit. Yeah. He's not making fun of Edmund constantly anymore. True. <laughs> uh, I think I think we have some character development for Peter demonstrated here, and that's... Yeah. We've, uh, re-int- we've reintroduced the characters in, in the roles that they kind of filled before. Yeah. And that'll, that'll be interesting to, to walk through the book with and seeing, like, a comparison contrast between, like, where they were in the first book and where they are in this one. Yeah. And if real character growth has happened, we should make a chart. You go make that spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll go make a spreadsheet for all the kids and, like, personality traits and, you know, ones they had in first book versus second book, and it'll be fun. We'll post that on the Twitter or something. Um... Yeah, so that being said, I, that's our first chapter. Uh, there wasn't really a lot to get into because we didn't introduce anybody new or any new world-building bits or pieces of lore, so we're just kind of waiting to see what happens in the next one. But, uh, yeah. 
So the next chapter is, is what we're going to discuss next week. That is called The Ancient Treasure House. So that's chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't even include that in my baseless speculation. Like I could go all sorts of places with that. It's The Ancient Treasure House. Mm-hmm. What's The Ancient Treasure? Ooh, what indeed. Is it belong to the king across the sea? Is the sea really just the island? Are we in the home of Aslan's father? The golden that would, apples? That would be great. No, he's the emperor across the sea. I mean, this, this sea is really only like 150 feet wide. Like, you could, <laughs> you could row over there. But, but it is sea between here and there. And you have to go across it. So, it is across the sea. And Aslan really hates swimming, so it's like forever to him. <sighs> oh... Thank you so much for joining us today uh, as we've started into Prince Caspian. Um, you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Chronically Podcast. You can tweet at us at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us your fan art of um, a shrimp in a tide pool at chronicallypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And you can also um, send us money at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast where you get absolutely nothing in return. Oh, but just you wait. <laughs> just you wait, Henry Higgins. Just you wait. The, this book. We're going to have something up there in the middle of this book. In the middle of this That's book. It's just going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. All right. Within the next six weeks, there'll be something up there. Pictures of me cosplaying as Edmund. There you go. With, with a box of Turkish delights and a sandwich. In every pocket. <laughs> oh, so, until next time. Never taunt a man, save when he is stronger than you. Then, as you please. Always bring a net to catch your shrimp. See ya. idea of a shrimp stuck in a tide pool being like, where did all my friends go? Okay. We begin with our five sentence summaries. So we start our chapter by finding our summaries mm-hmm. and then reading our summaries. Yeah. Do you have your summary? I do have mine somewhere. It's like... I moved it for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, so... Here is my summary of chapter one of Prince Cap... 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 Capsian. Capsian. Capsaicin. Caspian. Prince Caspian. Uh Uh-huh. Prince Caspian. Here is my summary of chapter one of Prince Caspian. Mm Mm-hmm. You should always keep a sandwich in your pocket in case you get raptured to Calvinist heaven. We've been told by Jesus that we're going to be presidents, and we're gonna we're gonna lead this nation. And you're the like you're of like what? The patience that I have for you <laughs> is not infinite. <laughs>